0: No. Mm-hmm. Well, well, welcome back to another episode of Joyride. I am Jared Brandon Flandy and... I am Adam Mendenhall. And this is the podcast where we talk about all things transportation and adventure. And today we'll be doing another scripted story episode. But first, Adam, we of course have to have a few words from our sponsors as usual. And as uh, once again we have British Parts Northwest. Since 1982, British Parts Northwest has been your source for all your British car needs. They have knowledgeable staff who can help you find whatever you need to make sure your car is in the best condition possible. They carry quality parts brands such as Lucas, TRW, and Borg & Beck. British Parts Northwest is based out of the United States, but ships both domestically and internationally, and offers same-day shipping as well. You can place your order by phone by calling this number, 503-864-2001. That number again is 503-864-2001. You can also place your order online by going to bpnorthwest.com. Remember to spell out the word NORTHWEST. British Parts is celebrating its 40th anniversary by teaming up with the Starstruck Podcast Network to bring you hit shows like Joyride. To claim 10% off on your next online purchase at bpnorthwest.com, use discount code JOYRIDE. That's discount code JOYRIDE. We'd also like to give a shout-out to Noah Norwood of the Hot Rod Kid Podcast. Noah is a professional automotive restorer as well he restores classic mustangs as well as the old V8 Fords from the Bonnie and Clyde era. Uh, that his podcast once again is the Hot Rod Kid podcast. You can find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. <clears throat> okay, Adam. You're going to like this one because you are a Volvo enthusiast, correct? <laughs> Absolutely. This, Born and bred. <laughs> so this one this one's very Swedish. This is a very Swedish themed episode here. All right. I'm not talking it doesn't necessarily have IKEA and meatballs, but <clears throat> So, Swedish is good, regardless. <laughs> so, the title of this episode is Dog H. The Day Sweden Stood Still. Ooh. <laughs> Almost 75% of the world is required to drive on the right side of the road, and 25% is required to drive on the left. This was not always the case, however. For most of human history, the entire world generally kept to the left, very very much like Australia, Japan, and the United Kingdom. Europe, for example, followed this custom for thousands of years. There is evidence the ancient travelers of the Roman Empire kept to the left, and even after the empire fell in the 5th century AD, the succeeding countries of Europe continued to do as the Romans did. There are a series of reasons for this. One of the main reasons is most people are right-handed. So when you're on horseback, it was easier to interact with others on the road or defend yourself with a sword since your dominant hand was closer to the middle of the road. <laughs> That's <laughs> slightly Monty Python-esque, I realize. Oh, but yeah. Apparently. <laughs> you may not have the coconuts. <laughs> <laughs> but you had the hordes, the, the sword <laughs> hand placement. Yeah. <laughs> um, so just a second here. Uh, The other reason was, since most people are right-handed once again, it was easier for them to mount the horse from the left side of the road. Uh, This would not always be the case, of course. Things began to change during the French Revolution, which was between 1789 and uh, 1799. Uh, Before the Revolution, it was common for the wealthy to travel in their luxurious carriages on the left side of the road, while the uh, poor were forced, forced to walk on the right. peasants (laughs) commoners (laughs) Peasants, you know? <laughs> commoners. <laughs> During this time, France was an absolute monarchy with a severe division of wealthy and poor. After the revolution, France had managed to become a more egalitarian society. As a result, the remaining affluent members of French des- society decided to try and blend in better with the masses by traveling on the right side of the road. So it was like, I don't want to lose my head. <laughs> it's safer (laughs) consequently some begin to migrate to the left while traveling in the opposite direction naturally Uh, the trend would become more popular when Napoleon Bonaparte came to power in 1799 in 1804 he was crowned emperor by himself and continued on his quest of conquering all of Europe Eventually, the French, the first French empire had taken over many territories of the continent. And along with the French came their new system of traveling on the right, displacing the ancient Roman custom. Say hello, welcome. You're French now. You you go to this side of the road. Because we said so. (laughs) Because we said so. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty much it. One of the few places Napoleon was not able to invade was Britain. With this in mind, they did not have to adhere to the new French traffic rules. Britain had traveled on the left for thousands of years, like the rest of Europe, but eventually they decided to give France the finger when they made it official by passing a law in 1835 to stay to the left. (laughs) It's official now. (laughs) As Britain and France began to expand their overseas empires later in the 19th century, their methods of road travel, uh, traveled along with them around the the globe, This is why many former European colonies to this day have differing road rules regarding the direction of travel. Uh, The American colonies, along with uh, Canada, originally traveled on the left side of the road like everywhere else. We did it here, even. But conversion began to happen independently in the United States around the same time as France, but for different reasons. One of the main reasons was a type of wagon that was common in America at the time, the Conestoga Wagon which is one of those large covered wagons you saw when he played Oregon Trail. You know? mm-hmm. They were large teamster wagons with many horses. So this is what ended up happening. There were so many horses, in fact, that the driver usually ended up sitting on the horse to the left in order to whip the rest of the horses effectively. <laughs> with the driver on the left, the only way he could get a good view of the road was to position the wagon on the right side of the road. Now, these are big wagons with lots of horses, okay? Other travelers began to comply because Conestoga wagons were so large they scared the shit of anyone coming from the opposite direction. It would get out of the way, moving to the other side of the road. Wow! <laughs> so, Sheer presence. So you just turned the corner. Oh Jesus! <laughs> so this get thing's the heck coming out, at you. out of the way. <laughs> As the world continued to spin, so did the hands of Father Time's clock. The 19th century became the 20th century, and our faithful friend, the horse, began to be. Uh, replaced by the automobile, of course. Back in Europe, most of the continent had moved away from the old Roman custom by driving on the right side of the road. Even most northern parts of Europe, such as Norway and Finland, had done so, but one Scandinavian country refused to budge. Sweden. Being a highly industrial part of Europe, Sweden already had its own thriving car industry with manufacturers such as Saab and Volvo, Saab originally and still is an airplane manufacturer, but after World War II, they decided to diversify their business by building cars as well. (coughs) Volvo originally was a subsidiary company of the ball-bearing manufacturer SKF, but like Saab, they also decided to diversify. As a fun fact, Volvo is a Latin word that means to roll, harkening back to the parent company's identity as a ball-bearing manufacturer.
1: (coughs) Nicely put.
0: (laughs) Unlike Ford and Volkswagen, however, Saab and Volvo initially did not build the people's car. Saab and Volvo were both seen as more upper market brands. Since the Swedish population needed a cheaper mode of transportation like everyone else, Sweden at this time began to rely heavily upon American imports. This was fine, but there was one problem. Most of the American cars were left-hand drive. (laughs) <laughs> and do you see some problems for shadowing here oh just a few <laughs> early ford vehicles initially kept with the tradition by putting the steering wheel on the right side of the car but this would change with model t with the model t which were all built with the steering wheel on the left as a result most swedish car owners were driving on the left side of the road with a car that was not equipped for this <laughs> as you can imagine auto accidents were very common especially regarding head-on collisions, since a driver did not have a very good view of the road when they needed to overtake or pass a slow-moving vehicle. Oh my gosh. You see how that you're not, you can't see as well. <clears throat> in the post-war period of Sweden, car ownership had exploded. You know the cars did not explode. Car ownership exploded. <laughs> it was only expected to get bigger. Understandably, the government of Sweden began to worry about the safety aspects of this many cars in the road, with many of them being left-hand drive. Oddly enough, there was one place in Sweden where people Sweden where people did drive on the right. At one point in time, a mistake was made with a map regarding the border between Norway and Sweden. A town that was thought to be in Norway actually turned out to be in Sweden. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine, yeah, I was like, ah, uh, well, I um, oh, we made a little whoopsie, sir. A minor mistake. <laughs> oh, by the way, you're not Norwegian, you're Swedish now. <laughs> <laughs> Swedish citizens who lived in the area just decided to travel on the right since Norway's Nor- Norwegian roads had been built there anyway. <laughs> Despite this little area, accidents kept occurring nationwide. In 1955, a referendum was held regarding the major decision of switching over, which proved to be massively unpopular. How unpopular do you think it was oh, by vote? Yeah, well, well, how much was the percentage of no, do you think?
1: Oh, I'm going to guess uh,
0: 70%. You're close. When the results came in, 83% of Swedish voters voted no and decided to keep to the left. Oh, <laughs> Which is understandable. Oh, You've just, yeah. you just always done it so one way for forever. And so it's like, imagine doing that here, just the other way around. It probably would not be very popular. No. Yeah? So... Almost uh, another decade had rolled by, and accidents continued to be a major problem. Eventually, the Swedish parliament decided to take action when it passed the prime minister's proposal of the road conversion in 1963, since car ownership had risen from 500,000 to 1.7 million. This is 1963. They're still doing this, you know. Uh, The project would become known as Dagen H, or H-Day, now, if anyone's Swedish, I'm going to absolutely butcher this, but this is what the full name means, okay? And the full name became known as Hågertraffikinkorlebenningen, something of that nature. <laughs> Valiant attempt. <Yeah. laughs> Which literally means the right-hand traffic reorganization. <laughs> wow. But just, you know, quickly known as H-Day, <laughs> With, proposal, with, with the proposal finally being passed, the considerable amount of logistics had to be put in motion in order to make the plan possible. In 1963, a commission was set up to educate and comfort the public regarding the big change. <clears throat> this program and PR campaign would last for four years since the chosen year of conversion was 1967. <clears throat> During this period, a national song contest was held in order to find an appropriate theme song for H day. The band that won the contest were named the Telstars. (laughs) And the song they wrote was called Keep Right Svensson. That's creative. You could go on YouTube and listen. It's a dorky 60s song. (laughs) Despite that, it eventually became the number five hit in the country. Wow. As part of the education campaign, an H-Day logo was uh, created. It was an italicized H Within a somewhat offset rectangle, in 1960s Sweden, this logo would become even more famous than the Beatles. It was put everywhere.
1: Now that's saying something.
0: Yeah. This included car windows, milk cartons, and even ladies' lingerie. Oh, that's a variety. <laughs> I guess they're trying to make sure it everyone sees it. No kidding. <laughs> Aside from the logo, one hundred and thirty thousand signs were put in place as an extra reminder for the public. Uh, the underwear mu- method still been, been the more popular method, however. <laughs> <laughs> With the public now thoroughly educated about the plan, it was now time to actually start the long and arduous process. Over three hundred and fifty thousand signs had to be removed. Two thousand had to be removed in Stockholm alone. Some signs were able to be mirrored, including the moose signs. It was felt moose were more likely to come from the right side of the road anyway. Despite my research, I'm not entirely sure why they came to that conclusion. <laughs> <laughs> that is interesting that why why the moose would come from that side of the road. <laughs> Um entire intersections had to be reconstructed so traffic could merge in the new direction. New lights and posts were set up, but were covered with black plastic that would not be removed until the imminent arrival of H Day. Road stripes also had to be repainted as well. Uh, The original yellow lines were covered with black tape, and then white lines were white lines were painted for the new direction of travel. To this day, Swedish roads predominantly have white paint lines and not yellow paint lines that are more commonly seen around the world. That's fascinating. That's, that's, wow. Mm-hmm. It's something you wouldn't think of. Bus transportation was also a major problem. On one-way streets, entire bus stops had to be removed and put on the other side of the road <laughs> <laughs> to accommodate. Naturally, <laughs> I'm just seeing. Uh, I don't know if they did it by hand. I'm just seeing like seven Swedish guys just lifting these things oh up, <laughs> <laughs> Pink Panther style, shuffling over to the other yeah. side. There <laughs> oh, we Plop. go. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see here. Uh, The buses themselves proved to be problematic since most of them were right-hand drive and they had to have doors installed on both sides of the vehicles now. Refitting them proved to be one of the most expensive aspects of the conversion project. Consequently, not every bus was converted and many were sold to Pakistan and other former British colonies that still kept the left. Wow. As the big day neared, the conversion of infrastructure and machinery may have been completed. It was only one piece of a very large puzzle. A project of this size would also require people, and a lot of people. In order to make sure the conversion went as smoothly as possible, it would require an army of willing participants. When the pages of Sweden's calendars turned to September 1st of 1967, each day was only two days away. On September second, the atmosphere was more joyful than one might expect. Festivities and fireworks began to light up the atmosphere as the wee hours of the night approached. <laughs> There's probably people getting drunk too as they're right before they're making a major traffic change uh imagine that combination <laughs> yeah, yeah
1: that's that's uh, something to bestow. <laughs>
0: As an extra note, sweet Scandinavia is a lover of quote slow TV. So, if you've ever seen one of those shows where it does nothing but document an entire train route, it's like train route. It's likely a Swedish or Norwegian train. You ever seen those? Oh, yeah. It's yes. very popular yep, there. Yep. Yeah? In the case of H-Day live television coverage during the uh, uh during the middle of the night aided by a team of reporters was there to document the switch, which I'm sure was riveting television. <laughs> Mind you, at this time, there was only one television station in all of Sweden, so everyone in the nation who owned a television set were able to watch these live events happen at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, when H-Day arrived, <clears throat> the black plastic was removed from the new streetlights, and the authorities were put on alert. All non-essential travel was banned from 1 a.m. to 6 a.m., but essential travel was allowed, and I'm... Milk deliveries. I don't know something of that nature. The ambulances. I don't know. Maybe I don't. Essential know. Essential functions yeah, only. Yeah, 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 that's that's mm-hmm. interesting. They went that route. Yeah. Door to door vacuum cleaner salesman. Maybe <laughs> <I don't. laughs>
1: vodka delivery. <laughs> I, oh, wait, that's <laughs> most likely, yeah, yeah, the no, yeah. most likely <laughs> <yeah, laughs> something here. <beer>. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> um, these few vehicles that were on the road in the middle of night had to stop at 4:50 a.m. In certain places, a horn would blare and a loudspeaker would announce, Now is the time to change over. (laughs) (laughs) After the motorists came to a complete stop, they then had to move over to the right side of the road. Ten minutes later at 5 a.m., they had to stop again so other drivers could make the switch as well in order to avoid any head-on collisions. Oh, my
1: God. I can't (laughs) even imagine that. That would be so confusing for so many people. (laughs) Just unnatural feeling. You can see
0: pictures in towns like Stockholm. It's just a giant...
1: Just cluster.
0: (laughs) In Stockholm and Mulmo, another town, the rule lasted from 10 a.m. on Saturday till 3 p.m. on Sunday. During the switch, over 10,000 police and military personnel were brought in to help the public transition as smoothly as possible. There was also over 100,000 volunteers who were there to help people cross the street by reminding them they had to look both ways. <laughs> 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 um, Sweden has been, driving on the le- had been had been driving on the left side of the road officially for 233 years, and in one day, it was over. <laughs> jeez (laughs) thankfully this endeavor had been in the making for years and many people were involved to make it happen due to the amount of prep work very little accidents occurred during each day only 157 accidents were reported during the switch 32 were personal injuries and only three were serious those who were expecting absolute mayhem were slow, so, so, sorely disappointed This exporting. <laughs> I, I'm shocked, actually. I would yep. have never
1: guessed numbers like that. That's yep. impressive. Yep. Uh, it goes to show the preparation paid off.
0: Yep. Uh, rates of accidents had indeed lowered six weeks after the switch, but afterward they began to increase back to they were before H-Day. It's thought since the rate of car ownership continued to grow, this naturally increased the rates of accidents, despite the new roads being statistically safer. <laughs> um. All in all, it was still a good decision since neighboring countries and Sweden no longer had to switch sides during continental travel. So imagine if you lived on the Canadian border in Washington and you had to go to the other side of the road suddenly. It's hard to imagine that, but Mm -hmm. yeah, what a
1: huge advantage to Mm -hmm.
0: have it streamlined the same. Uh, When all was said and done, H-Day proved to be a monumental day for Sweden. It ended up being the largest logistical event in the history of Sweden, surpassing even World War II.
1: Now that's that's a crazy figure.
0: Wow. The project cost one hundred and twenty million American dollars in nineteen sixty seven, which was about nine hundred and thirty million US in today's money. So almost a billion dollars. <laughs> uh, some people may have not liked the change, but change is something one ultimately cannot stop. Sweden learned as difficult as H Day was, they needed to change their direction and literally. <laughs> Each day may have been difficult, but in the end, the Swedish proved they were as tough as their Viking ancestors. The choice they made was hard, but it was the right thing to do since it benefited everyone, which proves Swedish idealism is the most Swedish character trait of all. (laughs) And that is the end of our story.
1: Well, it's always interesting to hear things from uh, that side of the world, and Swedish always... They always have a way to put a spin on things, <laughs> whether it's food, cars, drinks, or, for example, something like that.
0: Yeah, and for the most part, I mean, there's some places in Africa, that, but generally, you think Japan, Australia, you know, the UK, you know, there's they all have to, something in to common. They're islands, so they don't they don't really have to comply. You know, That's with, true. with The rest of the continents they're next to. <laughs> yeah, and I think you don't know whole me on this, but I think I've read in the past Britain has considered switching over. But have they? They have considered it, but here's the thing: Sweden. Sweden has more mountainous terrain and at the time there wasn't as many paved roads so it was easier to do Britain since they're on that little island, they got to be more compact and efficient. Mm-hmm. And so their infrastructure is highly, highly developed. And so they looked into the amount it would cost to switch over. It was astronomical. Oh. It, it, with all of their existing yeah, uh-huh. infrastructure and, and systems. At this point in time, they just they decided it's just not practical to do. <laughs>
1: so they'll keep the world interesting for folks like ourselves <laughs> when we go to visit.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> When we went to Scotland, we rented a car, and my dad was the one driving. And my dude's a stick shift too, so you have to shift with your left your left hand, not your right hand. Yeah, that's
1: such a different <laughs> dynamic. I, I I hope to experience that someday. That's on my list. It
0: was it was a little it was a little little kind of clutching the dash at first, but he figured it out pretty fast. It does it comes quicker than you'd think, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: it's just uh, it, it's it it keeps it real entertaining when you have to make an adjustment like that, mm-hmm. literally flip-flop from left to right <laughs> <laughs> you
0: know i'm sure there's people that still i mean that wasn't very long ago so i'm sure there's still people that tell stories to younger people over in sweden about that to this day you know? oh i'm sure i mean
1: i again it's impressive that they were able to, to keep the collateral damage as low as they did with the amount of accidents that incurred as a result of that switch
0: yeah yeah <laughs> but yes so and like and well i like to point out too is that you know the pedals are not like the other way around you know they just they just basically take everything over here and move it over
1: <clears throat> exactly yeah. and so you know with the orientation of like a stick shift for example where in america being a left-hand drive you know first gear would be closest to you well on the right-hand side drive over in britain it would be farthest away
0: yeah yeah remember that, that jag ass type i had I, there was, um, I think, the dome light went out, and so I had to. I went, oh, probably the fuse just needs a new fuse. So I look and um, I go, where do you go to go to the fuse box? Naturally, oh, under the dash, under right? the dash. Okay, yeah. so I crawl underneath the dash, and there's no fuse box. <laughs> I'm like. What? <laughs> what? What? How do they handle it? Yeah, so I get out the manual. I still have it it's I still kept it. And I'm looking, okay, where's the fuse box at? Because you know, there's an there's an you know, external one, but there's always an internal one, right? And so I'm going to the book and I'm looking at the picture and it says the fuse box is underneath the dash. And I'm going, No, it's not. <laughs> but I looked at the picture a little bit harder and the dash they were showing was on the right side of the car because the car it was a left-hand drive jag but it was originally designed to be Mm right-hand drive so no kidding i go and crawl underneath the passenger side and there's the fuse box right there
1: (laughs) well it goes to show catering to its origins of course yeah
0: All right, so I think we're going to come to a little conclusion here. That was kind of a fun episode. I do like those internationally themed ones. Do you have any other thoughts here, Adam, before we wrap up? You know, um,
1: yeah, it's just always, you know, it's an example of left brain versus right brain (laughs) and thinking how how processes are thought out and executed elsewhere, especially when it involves something as extensive as that. Mm -hmm. So that applies to a lot of things.
0: Yeah. Yeah, first time you drive a right-hand drive vehicle, we're going to record it. All right. Yeah, we'll have to. <laughs> okay. All right, everyone. So that is the end of season four. We plan to be back, but before we wrap up, we actually just want to uh, actually announce one thing. We're doing a little bit of a contest here. So, <clears throat> um, the uh, the scripts that me and Adam work on, that uh, we do these episodes on, we will uh, the two that were in this season, we will bind them and we will both personally sign that. And we of course love to send everyone a script, but we obviously possibly can't. So the first three people that emails, the first three that email us at our, our email, which is Joyride Starstruck, all one word, all lowercase, J-O-Y, or yeah, Y, uh, R-I-D-E-S-T-A-R-S-T-R-U-C-K at Gmail.com. Uh the first three, if you send us your uh, your name and your address, we will send that to you. And but if you are in a uh, foreign country, please do very be very specific on your address, since we're Americans, which means we only speak one language, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we hope to get that out to you if anyone is interested in that. So with that said, well, we will be back soon for more exciting stories and good casual chats. So indeed, we will. And by all means, leave you know, of course, leave us a, a good five star review, um, a good like, share us on social media, tell your friends. Um, we exp- appreciate your Patreon support. And, you know, check out our, our other links in the descriptions that come with these episodes as well. So with that said, we will catch you next time. All right, Adam? We'll see you then. All right. Signing out. Star star